This is eSports Today with Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen. Welcome to this edition of eSports Today for October 20th, 2015. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, alongside Andrew Gruen, here to cover the latest news and events in eSports. On today's show, we have a case of euphoria as Fnatic and Origin clinch semifinal spots at Worlds. We're also taking a look at the MLG World Finals Dota 2 event where Team Secret showed off the power of their new lineup. But first, we have some breaking news. <laughs> it's very rare we get to do that, so I'm really excited. Like, this is super topical. <laughs> uh, so er- early in the morning, uh, before we recorded this show, Korean media reported that Korean prosecutors have indicted and arrested several people in connection with match fixing in StarCraft II, including the head coach and two players with the Prime team. Right, and you know, people who listen to the show may remember Team Prime as sort of the uh, the punching bag of, of us too when we talk about uh, StarCraft II Pro League. They're sort of like the perennial losers that we joked about from time to time on on this show because they they, they had really an incredible losing streak going. Uh, but it, it actually seems like there was something a great deal more sinister behind that incredible losing streak. You know, from the sound of it, they actually got themselves under the thumb of some seriously nasty people. The report out of South Korea implicates Prime's head coach gerard uh as well as their two best players uh yoda and boom boom uh as accepting between five and twenty thousand dollars to intentionally throw matches and then it also adds that the these people who approach them to to um to fix fix these matches also then blackmailed those same members into continuing to throw matches or else they'd leak to the press what team prime had done yeah, and and that's kind of the well, that's kind of the obvious part, right? Like the moment you accept that first deal right. to to throw a match, like you're done, your your career is over. Uh, you know, and it's probably the least surprising scandal in StarCraft in some ways. <laughs> like it's the least possible uh sur- surprising scandal. There there had been concerns throughout this year that there was match fixing happening in StarCraft Two. Uh, this year in particular. Uh, Pinnacle, uh, a, a betting site that does a lot of, like, it's an online sports book, basically, mm-hmm. uh, would frequently be vacating the results of StarCraft matches coming out of Korea because they had seen suspicious betting patterns. Sure. And um, so if, you, if you're not familiar with how a, how these, these odds go off, basically, uh, the, the odds shift in response to betting activity. Right, so so it's a little bit of like a wisdom of the crowd situation, as I understand it, and so Pinnacle have tons of data on how uh, matchups should look if it's sort of normal betting patterns, and what they were starting to see with uh, with StarCraft, some StarCraft matches in Korea, is that at the last minute, uh, you know, right as betting's about to close, there would be these huge bets coming down. Uh, way, way out of out of line with normal betting patterns, mm-hmm. and then it would sort mm-hmm. of swing the odds at the last minute. And uh, so, when when Pinnacle was seeing this stuff happening, they would just like cancel all bets and uh, re- refund money. And it was happening often enough that there there were some significant concerns that there was something just not on the up and up with uh, StarCraft in, in Korea. And it, there were even whispers about some really popular players, uh, including Marine King, uh, that they had lost matches under suspicious circumstances. And there's a part of me that's still worried that there's another shoe that's going to drop right. at, at some point. Right. But at the same time, if there was any team 
that was going to be easy prey for this kind of like illegal manipulation, it was going to be prime because they were already a team that made no sense. Right. They're like, you know, if, if you were making an esports version of the producers, uh, prime is the springtime for Hitler <laughs> musical uh, of, of esports. In some ways, it's the thing that's built to fail. Yeah, and it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, exactly what you said. It makes a lot of sense that you would approach them because they lose a lot, so they're hard up for cash, so they're the most likely to, to readily accept these kinds of uh, cash influxes. But they're also the one who is, like, least likely to be anyone. No one's going to be surprised if a Prime member throws a game right in the late game, right? You know, like, these players have become, like, so famous for, for losing. And it also, I think it, it has to do with the fact that it's Pro League as well. Like, cause I don't think you see this very often or at all in the individual leagues because mm, not would, in this case is that right in this case they had done it so in in the uh in the the translated report on team liquid uh actually they, they according to the korean uh prosecutor's brief uh there may have been some gsl matches uh oh, that no. were fixed as well into the round of 16 oh god um and so they give specific matches and i don't think it's clear yet which which particular games were, were fixed uh but the the players involved were yoda and uh oh god i can never say this guy's oh, name boom, boom. and soon i won't have to <laughs> uh what, what did you say boom boom yeah uh, so it was those two players, and yeah, some of their GSL uh, ma- matches were fixed. Uh, in general, it is the it is the pro league matches you hear the most about uh, possibly being fixed, uh, but in this case, it looks like uh, it, it went a little bit beyond that. Yeah, you know, and I, you know what I was going to say, and I still think that this does apply. That a lot of times it, it ha- probably happens in pro league because the matches are a lot less, a lot more low stakes. You yeah. know, because if you're asking one player to throw one match in during a pro league, like best of seven or something like that, that's really not asking as much as asking a player to throw away their hopes of a GSL championship, you know, because if you're asking them to throw away their GSL championship, you're, you're, you've got to pay them a whole lot more. They're giving up a chance at like 40 grand. Uh, they, they may not have a spot on their team next year or something like that, or they might lose sponsorships, just asking a whole lot more, uh, you know, and, it, and it, this implicates... I think they said it implicates uh, 12 or maybe 13 people on Team Prime. And um, I know that nine people went to jail. And I think there are, if there's one at large, we know that much. This is, this is being, so this is the thing. This is, so I, I'm going from what, what Team Liquid has uh, from the translated report hmm. uh, from, from the prosecution uh, services. So this, is, this is from Wax Angel uh, on Team Liquid, who, whose info is usually pretty good. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm seeing reported in a lot of places that it's like nine pro gamers who were, who were implicated oh, okay. in this. It's really not. Most of the people indicted in this are the people who were involved in the fixing itself. Oh, okay. So it all really comes back to Gerard and uh, Yoda and uh, Boom Boom. And then the rest of the people is one ex-pro gamer who's not named uh, in the in this in this uh, statement, and then the rest of these people are the the match fixers themselves. What's interesting and a little sad is that the report goes into some detail about how it all went down, and so it's the, and what it looks like is that Prime didn't come to this necessarily like with intent to be a bad actor. Uh, this started with these match fixing brokers uh coming to the team as sponsors right and yeah, yeah and so it's super sad because you know prime like prime's always been like one step ahead of bankruptcy basically right. and so yeah like first they came as friends with sponsorship money and then you know it's it's a pretty familiar tale right like you start just asking for little favors and seeing how far you can get these people to go and then once they've gone far enough you just blackmail them 
And that's what happened here. It it does seem like Team Prime got themselves a payday loan from a loan shark, and then pretty soon they were getting their arms broken, uh, and they had no no hope left. And, you know, really at this point, with Yoda and Boom Boom gone and their head coach gone, we have to wonder what what this means for the Prime organization as a whole and whether or not they're actually going to have enough people to field a team next year. They have to be done. Uh, I'm not sure there are any players even left on their roster at this point so i have no idea how how the prime organization could continue or come back from this and uh you know i know pro league need needs eight teams come come hell or high water uh but at this point like could you could really just start grabbing people off the street <laughs> uh and seeing what you get out of it but but i think it should be we should make clear here because i'm seeing it reported a lot in like games mainstream press sure as like this huge scandal and certainly my first reaction was one sort of a panic uh but it should really be stressed this is nowhere near this is not the brood war match fixing scandal Mm, this is this is nowhere near that level of like pervasive match fixing where you have high stakes matches uh important matches that were fixed uh between star players you don't have someone of the stature of savior uh who was you know one of the absolute superstars of brood war you don't have a player of his stature implicated as sort of the um you know the the broker among the players for for these match fixers so while this brings to mind a lot of like bad starcraft history in context you know really this this doesn't look as bad right because it's like it's the hard up players from the hard up team who did something really shady and were quickly caught Right. And it's it's pretty much over. So I hope it stops there. I really hope it stops there. My right. fear is that in the next, like, you know, six, 12 months, uh, we discover it didn't stop there. Yeah. And, you know, it does give kind of an ominous tone to that announcement we had talked about last week uh, from the Korean Esports Association where they were like, they came out on stage and they were like, okay, just to be clear, we will have a pro league next year. We will have a pro league. And we both, you and I were kind of wondering, like, well, was that in question? We were we, we were in danger of not having pro league next year. But now we get this announcement uh, and we kind of get an actual uh, explanation as to why they might have been a little bit panicked that there might not be uh, a, a pro league uh, in the next season. Uh, so we'll look forward to seeing seeing where pro league ends up uh in the coming season uh but meanwhile you know over in league of legends we have a lot of good news actually for once uh we had the quarterfinals of the world's championship in which it looked like things were still getting shaken out you know like every series was either 3-1 or 3-0 nothing in the quarterfinals went to a game five game five rubber match uh and we had a clear winner every single time you know rob in your eyes, was there anybody who came out of the quarterfinals that really looked like a clear favorite here? Uh, God, you know, I, I hate being the obvious, like Captain Obvious here, but you know, <laughs> it, there's there's no way you can get around it, right? Uh, the my my pick uh, is SK Telecom because they they just they just beat AHQ to a pulp in their series, and I had mixed emotions as I watched that because you have to remember. AHQ looked pretty good throughout this tournament, and last week we were talking about them, and they looked better than Fnatic, uh, mm-hmm. I'd have to say. Right, and and that was even when Fnatic beat them. Uh, so so you have one of the strongest teams at World show up and face SK Telecom, and they just looked hapless next to SK, and it was grim because if SK can can seemingly dominate a team like AHQ without any apparent difficulty. You really have to wonder who at this tournament is going to offer them a significant fight. 
Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the concern coming through all of this. We've had like such a cool, good tournament with all of these different storylines. Uh, but then on, <laughs> there's always this like looming specter where no one even wants to pay attention to SK Telecom because they've been so dominant that they threatened to make this all, all of the rest of the matches seem sort of like a formality. Uh, and so we had that really dominant match between uh, AHQ and SK Telecom. But then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we had Europe's Team Origin versus Flash Wolves. And it was probably the closest game of the quarterfinals, particularly game one, uh, which had one of the best endings of a League of Legends game I've seen in a long time. Uh, and it all centers around something that I really feel is like at the heart of how good League of Legends is right now. And that's that's the dragon objective. Um, so for non-League enthusiast listeners... Um, the dragon used to be this monster objective on the map, and if you killed it, your team got all got like a gold infusion. So it was really important in the early game, uh, but pretty much ignored in the late game when gold was much easier to come by. Uh, but Riot changed that, so now each kill of the dragon amounts to a like a special buff for the entire team, uh, and it's really valuable and really powerful at all stages of the game now it's a really great change to the game and if your team is able to kill the dragon five times you get this buff so big that you're almost guaranteed to win the game so it becomes this really critical objective to make sure the other team doesn't get five kills um and so yeah particularly in the late game when teams are getting close to that fifth kill it becomes just this really hotly contested objective uh but even more than that it's the presence of that extra extra win condition that extra important objective that gives teams like a litany of strategic options on how to play with that important objective so in in game one the one we're talking about between uh, origin and flash wolves origin has killed four dragons and the fifth is about to spawn on the map and so flash wolves sort of instinctively goes over to defend this fifth dragon kill because they're sure origin is going to go for it they're going to go for the sure win um but instead origin literally like hides and sneaks past them and while flash wolves is heading out for the dragon pit origin's whole team shows up inside their base and just rips it to shreds and i wanted to bring this up because it's like to me it's like emblematic of all of the great league of legends we've been seeing at worlds uh but it also shows off the character of origin that i've really i've really come to love over the course of this tournament they're so crafty and this current state of league of legends like gives them the room to be as clever as they can be yeah i mean i love the end of that match but at the same time I, you know it was one of those endings where i'm not sure they were they were crafty so much as they were flashy <laughs> if that makes sense sure uh so i mean there, there is a Watching an ex Pake led team, and Origin is, is ex Pake's team, and he's he's a longtime veteran of League of Legends. Watching one of his teams uh, go for the back door, as it were, is is satisfying. You know the the same way that like watching a great NFL quarterback uh, put together a drive is satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like you just watch the dominance and like the surgical precision as <laughs> one team just like picks apart another's defense. Uh, but I, I feel like Origin were able to end the game like that in part because they, they arguably had it won either way, right? Like, Flash Wolves were, were forced into contesting a dragon. They're probably going to lose that fight too, right? And Origin kind of just skipped to the bottom of the page because they mm. already had enough power to just push for the win. So it was a fun way to, for the game to end, uh, because it's it's a bit like, it was sort of a catchphrase type ending, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's here's that team you love doing that thing you've been waiting for. Like, oh, it's, it's League of Legends Fonzie just sort of broke through the door. Uh, so, so it was great, but it also was like Origin were just really teeing off on Flash Wolves uh, with, the, with that final flourish. It was a fatality. Uh, so... 
it was it, it was impressive because I, I did not expect Origin to just look uh, that overpowering in, in that series, and it's been funny because I I guess Origin are my my biggest surprise of the year because I sort of felt like Origin and well I, I felt like Xpeke uh, toward the end of his stint with Fnatic was so checked out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of going to be the way his career ended, right? He was going to sort of follow the, um, sort of the veteran like, uh, like TSM player route, you know, where like that that first that first generation of TSM had had so much early success that later on they were so clearly complacent and not willing to put in the work to stay on top that it was just kind of a matter of waiting for those guys to go away. And I thought X Paque w- w- was in that same position, and I didn't think Origin we're going to be good enough or hungry enough to play this way. And so having them show up at worlds like this is um, really stunning for me and, and really fun to watch. Uh, they are, uh, they, they are bringing in, they're, they're probably the most entertaining team at worlds right now. Uh, anyway, so speaking of dominance though, Fnatic smoked EDG this week. Yeah. And that's another thing I just, I didn't expect. Um, and I know that at this point, the defeat of the Chinese teams at Worlds has become a dominant theme, but I thought, X, e, I thought EDG would be the exception. I, I thought if Fnatic managed to win this series at all, they'd have to do so in like a really tense five-game series. But in, instead, EDG just looked like they were being fed into a wood chipper. Yeah, you know, uh, our guest last week, uh, League of Legends writer Taylor Cock, talked about this uh, a good bit. Uh, EDG just wasn't the same team at Worlds as they have been for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, and we saw from time to time, like, flickers of hope. Uh, this, in the group stage, once in a while, one one or two of their games, they would have this, like, really aggressive team that was so exciting to watch. Uh, and it just didn't seem like they were together against Fnatic. And Fnatic cruised to just, like, a really pretty easy 3-0 victory. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what impressed me the most in in Fnatic's victory. It was, let's call it like, it was game two and a half. uh, (laughs) Because Riot had to restart game two. Uh, If you're you're watching it, it was kind of awful. Uh, There's apparently a bug on the uh, champion Gragas, who was sort of the big fat beer belly character (laughs) uh, of uh, of the jungle. And uh, apparently there is a, a very rare, but persistent and fatal bug that he loses his Q power. Uh, so basically his primary <laughs> basic uh, champion attack uh, just doesn't just ceases functioning. And that bug surfaced deep, deep into Fnatic's second game against EDG. Uh, and at a pivotal moment too, like these teams are like, these teams have been sort of like fencing for like 10 minutes at this point, And they're finally starting to move into position where like major confrontations are about to happen mm-hmm. over dragon over, over turrets. Uh, and it, you know, it felt like Fnatic had, had just gotten through this really tense standoff and they maneuvered their, they maneuvered their way into a position where they could probably start taking control of the game. And suddenly this, this bug surfaces and there's a pause and then like 30, 40 minutes go by. And then Riot are like, yeah, we can't continue the game. Mm-hmm. They can't fix the bug. Yeah. So they, they don't just go back. They don't just regame with the same picks. They just completely erase everything. And you do a new draft, completely new game. Uh, which just, it just sucks. Right. right? Like that is that's just <laughs> the worst possible outcome. It's just, it, it, it's awful. Uh, and some, some stuff like this has happened at the midseason Invitational uh, around Fnatic. 
and it helped crush them there. Uh, I, I would say, and I talked to talked to their manager after after uh, their their performance at MSI, and, and he felt they did get rattled by pauses and, and game restarts. They they fell out of rhythm or or weren't able to get back into a good position. So, I I was really worried at this point because I felt like having that momentum stolen from them in that first attempt at game two, I was like, here, like this is the sort of thing that would tilt me. Like I'd have a mm-hmm. hard time bouncing back right. from that. Like, wait, you're they're doing the picks differently now too. Like all of it's erased. Like all that hard work we did, all the strategies we showed, all of that is gone. Uh, and so I was really concerned. But this time, you know, after that next game started, uh, the the final game too, as it were, uh, Fnatic looked even better. And so it was it was kind of like what we saw at midseason Invitational was reversed. Uh, EDG were the team that had just like run out of confidence, run out of strategies, and Fnatic. We're just warmed up and ready to play. And and so in the regame, and from that point forwards, Fnatic just crushed EDG. You know, I, regames are just a fascinating part of esports strategy, I think, because they happen all of the time. Like, it's almost something that you kind of have to plan for. If you're going into a really big matchup, you really probably should have something in place to say, okay, we might have to regame at some point. They're like a constant facet of all esports competition. And so every few tournaments, we end up with at least one regame, uh, thanks to like technical failures or in this case, because of a bug. Uh, and it's interesting just to see how teams deal with that. Like, I bizarrely love it because it, almost always we see one team just sort of collapse and one team flourish. Uh, we saw it with, with uh, I believe it was Hero versus Buell in StarCraft Two, and the same thing happened. Uh, and to me, it always exposes which team or which player just has the deeper strategy and the deeper command of the game. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate to to see it happen, but at the same time, it is one of those, like, moments of adversity mm-hmm. that I think, yeah, definitely does tell you a little bit about the, the teams and the players competing. Uh, so finally this weekend, we had the somewhat aspirationally named MLG World Finals in New Orleans, <laughs> uh, where, where Team Secret faced evil geniuses in a final worth more than $100,000. Uh, and Andrew, I, I guess I'm a bit confused. First, where was the audience? <laughs> <laughs> And then second, uh, how is this still a rivalry? Because I thought, we talked about this weeks and weeks ago. Team Secret imploded in the wake of the, of their disappointing disappointing world performance, right? How have they bounced back? I, I honestly have no, like, no idea. This was, like, this was really weird to see, and I had definitely written, written them off after the International and, uh, and their performance at ESL 1 as well. But like the whole tournament was a bit odd. Um, you know, we Actually, to begin with, we both had kind of forgotten that this was happening because it was an MLG event and had forgotten that nowadays that means you can only see it on MLG.tv, which means if you don't specifically set out to go to MLG.tv, you're never going to say, see this. And the only way we were able to actually watch this series Series was uh, to catch the finals recording God. afterward from a Twitch user named Pontato Chip, <laughs> uh, and, and like from the look of it, it seemed like the audience had the same thing. Like we were looking when you would see the broadcast of the grand finals. For some reason, there was no audience there. There was like ten people in the audience, and those people might have even been event crew. It was really bizarre. Like you could hear it on the audio as well. Nobody was even cheering. Um, but you know to to focus on the games though like from the limited look i got at this series it really just looked like team secret came up with an answer for how to deal with the unstoppable carry duo of samael and artizi in all the games that secret won 
They were able to just like dominate those two with really strong ganks that just kept EG's carries from getting to that critical mass of gold to really make their make them come online. Uh, but really, you know, again, we have to kind of ask ourselves how much this really matters. And I feel bad saying it because we said the same thing about ESL New York, but like you can feel it nowadays. The players and the casters know that these $100,000 or $250,000 tournaments just aren't important anymore. Um, Not while there are multi-million dollar events happening literally every quarter in Dota 2. And the same thing is true in Counter-Strike as well. Like The proliferation of money just takes things down a notch uh, for middle-tier tournaments. And MLG in particular is hard to judge uh, because the event is so brief... Like, how do you judge which match is more important than another or which one is more indicative than another? So, yeah, Team Secret beat Evil Geniuses in the Grand Finals, but CDEC beat Team Secret 2-0 just a day earlier. So does that mean that CDEC is better than Secret? You know, it's, it's, it's a, when you don't have an extensive enough lineup of, of, of matches for these teams to play, it becomes very difficult to suss out who actually is the best and who had a more favorable route through the tournament bracket. Um so I hate that we have to keep saying it, but like, but this is just a speed bump. Like to me, it felt like a one hundred thousand uh, dollar practice retreat on the road to the fall major. Uh, you know, this is spring training really for these teams. But you know, I will say that the optics for EG are just terrible. You know, we talked extensively uh, about how they, you know, after the international, they'd better have a damn good run post post TI if they're going to justify to the world cutting AUI 2000, who played a huge role in helping them win that huge prize pool at the international. And they really, really have not shown up in the way that we hoped they would. Um, Okay, so now all that said. Team Secret. Um, they do deserve to be lauded for winning this thing, and it's it's got to bode well for their mental game going into the Fall Major. Uh, and I have a theory uh, about why they've managed to do well after exploding their whole team after their terrible showing at TI. They broke the RTZ curse. <laughs> uh, well, not exactly. Um, but my theory is that their culling of the team, which did include losing Arteezy, uh, cleared up the chain of command. Uh, I think they had simply too many egos, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen on that previous team uh, because it was just so filled with star players. And I think this allowed their captain, Puppy, to like really take control of the team and be a captain. Uh, he filled the team with these established players who are supremely talented, um, but he had, I think he had this opportunity to say, okay, you are on my team now. This is my team and you will play a role on it and then we will do what I say. You know, he even got himself a young Carrie phenom by the name of Weeha, who's been really impressive so far. Uh, because Carrie players who can't yet drink alcohol are apparently all the rage in Dota 2. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this allowed Team Secret to establish Puppy as the undisputed captain. Uh, and to me, it really showed, you know, because Puppy played phenomenally well this past weekend. Uh, and, you know, if this is the kind of play they're going to bring to the Fall Major, then I hate to say it, but I think it's their tournament to lose. I think Team Secret is the favorite in this Major, just like it's the, just like they were at the International, if they're going to play at this level. That right there is where you just curse them. Because you, <laughs> you said, that, like, let's rewind two weeks to Andrew saying that ESL 1 was EG's tournament to lose. Oh, man, two you're going to bring later. this up again. Oh, yeah. No, it's, you're never going to, it's never going to stop. Like, so, you're going to have to get something really right. We're always uh, going, we're always going to go back to the tape where I say, listen, please don't listen to anything I say about Dota because I really don't know what's going on here. <laughs> the game is just too complex uh, for anybody who doesn't dedicate their entire 
entire life to Dota 2 to really understand what's happening there. Uh, but yeah, so moving on, you know, that covers esports today. Now let's turn our attention to esports tomorrow. Yeah, and you know, going off that theme of like everybody sort of pausing in Dota leading up to uh, the, the the major in Frankfurt, it feels like actually all the major esports are kind of in a similar lull mm -hmm. because they all either are in the midst of a major event or are about to have a major event, and so um, you know, we are we are deep in, in the autumn autumn lull uh, because you know, aside from the league semifinals next week, most other games have kind of gone dormant. Uh, you got BlizzCon, which is basically pressed pause on Heroes. Uh, it's pressed pause on StarCraft, uh, and then you have Frankfurt, which is kind of dominating the the, the Dota scene right now. And then uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of action sort of leading up to the end of the DreamHack calendar. Uh, but but in the next week, it's it's just pretty quiet. And and so I think, you know, it's a good time to get caught up on some esports series uh, over the next week. And we'll be back on October 27th to talk about, you know, all of this and more. Uh, but, you know, for now, that's all we have for this edition of Esports Today, an Idle Thumbs Network podcast produced by Michael Hermes. Uh, you can learn more about the show and discuss esports with us in the Idle Thumbs community at our website, esports.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at ES2D Podcast. If you've enjoyed esports today so far and you have a few spare minutes, you can really help us out uh, by leaving a review on iTunes and telling your esports buddies about us. We'll be back next week to discuss the past, present, and future of esports. For Andrew Gruen, this is Rob Zachney signing off. <laughs>